there's been like wave going through the retreat now and we hope you're going to settle it again This morning I'd like to speak about uh, letting go some more. And uh, there's a word in Pali which is nibida. And if we literally translate that word nibida, it means not finding. So in the investigating our experience, for example, according you know, to the four vipalasa, and what we find out is we are not finding what we are expecting, but it turns out to be very different from what we're expecting. And that usually leads to disenchantment. And, you know, the word disenchantment, uh, you know, speaks about waking up from a spell, you know, waking up from a dream, uh, waking up from limited expectations and then, you know, waking up into something uh, much vaster and, you know, we can't really grasp it with uh, the dualistic mind. And that's, you know, the work we have embarked on if we are starting, you know, to meditate. And, you know, what our part of that work is to set the right causes and conditions for that insight to dawn on us. So that's not something we can willfully, you know, hunt after, but it's much more like setting causes and conditions. And then like, you know, if we are planting a flower or a tree, there needs to be certain causes and conditions and care needs to be taken and energy needs to be put into the process ongoingly. And then somehow the tree starts to grow out of the earth and the insight into you know freedom that also grows out of those causes and conditions which we are attending to in in our practice and you know being on a retreat like this is a particular um, powerful framework where we have so much support and so we can put a lot of our energy into the meditation, which is sometimes in daily life not so easy as you know, and that's probably why you came. And then, you know, through the seeing clearly, the attachments fall away because the mind adjusts to reality. And 
and and then you know we start to the priorities of our life start to change as well and uh, you know there's a, a intuitive recognition of true value or something you know like intuitive sense it doesn't come you know from the thinking mind but rather from the heart the word chitta in the pali language is uh, means heart mind for example my name santa chitta so you know in the european or western hemisphere people are thinking about you know the mind is here and the heart is here but in reality that's the mind heart is resides here and and that's like just an intuitive sense of ah you know there is a way leading into freedom and that's not something we might be able to describe with words but it's a it's a much deeper knowing and i think earlier in the retreat you know i have shared with you an experience i had many years ago 87 on a train in in burma when i saw those monks you know behaving so um differently in this very hot train carriage where everybody was going crazy and i saw they had so much equanimity and so much uh, they didn't kind of fight against the conditions they did what they could and the, the rest they were just like being with it and that deeply impressed me that uh, really and you know, my heart recognized it even i'd never seen monks before and i didn't know what it was but my heart immediately knew this is something i'd like to have too for myself and i never i still can recall you know the how that felt and then you know when when i then finally about one and a half years later met my first teacher i had that same you know the heart knew even i couldn't put it into words i didn't even know who he was and but my heart knew that's it you know that i'm now on on i'm kind of on something here which is of true value and then you know one thing gave the next and that those two moments you know they were just very tiny moments they were completely important in my life they changed my life but also you know i had enough uh, sensitivity so i could recognize it and uh, for example so that the trees in autumn the trees in fall they can teach us about letting go because you know as as we can see in the fall you know the tr- the, the trees let let their leaves fall down in order to prepare you know for the winter time to prepare for hard times so they are setting priorities it's more important you know to let go of something and you know to conserve energy and then the leaves fall down and then they rot into the ground and additionally they also uh, you know are some nourishment for the roots of the tree and this uh, you know this law of nature is called abscission and comes from the latin word sindere which means to cut that's also the root of our word for scissors so that's a you know a natural response which comes from having priorities and this priorities come from seeing clearly what really is important what's worth our energy and what we could actually 
just let go. And I think that's, you know, in one word, what the practice is all about through this clear seeing, disenchantment, you know, sets in. And that might be, you know, on one level experienced as a sense of loss, but on another level it's, it's, a, it's a great gain because we no longer waste our energy. And that simply, you know, comes through not finding what we are expecting and then adjusting to that. And, uh, and how, you know, can that happen? How can we, you know, support that process by fully being here and not needing to be somewhere else? And through that, you know, we move through our perceived limitations. And the four vipalasa are basically a list of uh, perceived limitations which can be, you know, unraveled through investigation and then not finding what we are expecting. And seeing, you know, that is conditioning and it can be deconstructed. Not, you know, by intellectually trying to philosophize about it, but through really investigating it in our own experience and then seeing for ourselves. And, you know, there's those uh, limiting cognitive and emotional filters which start to dissolve. And, you know, every time we are seeing something clearly, we punctuate those filters more and more until they are so kind of messed up, they just fall down and we no longer are under the spell of this particular filter. And those five recollections which we did this morning, that's a, you know, a particular set of uh, recollections which turn the mind towards the Dhamma. If one makes that really very conscious, you know, in a culture which, which tries to constantly um, you know, um, distract us from those five facts. You know, a culture which is trying to make us believe if we just buy the right products, uh, old age, sickness and death is not going to happen. And I think there's even people you know, who want to, I don't know, upload their minds onto the cloud and then... Uh, I don't know, all kinds of really crazy things. Or, or free, you know, cons- I don't know. There's many, many different things. I don't spend much time with investigating those options, but I have, I have had it in passing time. I'm some computer screen. So, yeah, it's really, you know, really ridiculous. Um, and dangerous at the same time, you know, because we know that our planet has reached its limits in, in terms of what it can contain. And if we don't wake up to that fact, and if we don't, you know, really get interested in reality, we're not going to make it for much longer here. And, uh, you know, it's not suppressing or indulging but adding something to it and that adding something is you know giving our experience a certain framework the framework of the dhamma it's the same you know if you have a picture and you want to hang it on the wall 
if it has a frame around it, the picture becomes much clearer. And that's the function, you know, of the of the teaching is to give us a framework within which we can investigate our experience. To just make it more clear, we don't have to invent the wheel. The Buddha has already, you know, presented us with a very functional framework, which has been tried and tested for over 2,600 years, and it works. And, you know, and that framework is there so that we can uh, refine our minds so we have a deeper and wider experience and can see things, you know, in, in connection. We can see the conditionality of our experience. <clears throat> So, you know, the Vipalasa is, is one frame. There's, there's several frames we can try on, you know, and then for some time this one is, is, is doing, you know, the job and then another one. But what it, it really does, it's, it's, you know, it helps to sensitize and strengthen the mind and then, you know, leading us and that, you know, if the mind is more st stronger and more sensitive so it can discern better and go deeper, then that leads us also to ever more conducive circumstances for practice because it also translates into our lives. And then, as I said yesterday, you know, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. And it doesn't ne necessarily need to be a, a person, you know. But what we, you know, need to do is to set causes and conditions into place by making, you know, wise choices in our lives and then allowing the Dhamma to do its job, you know, because the Dhamma is, uh, is really alive, you know. And it wants to be, uh, it wants to be found out, really. And, uh, you know, for us to see, you know, is there an openness there or is there greed, aversion and delusion operating in the moment? Is there an openness to be with our present experience or not? And that's something not too difficult really to recognize. And, you know, the, I think the most important capacity often is, you know, just the capacity to be with the discomfort, not only the physical, but also the, you know, mental or emotional discomfort of, of doing this work, you know, of, of uh, allowing the pressure of our habits to just be what it is and not, you know, not uh, allow the, that pressure to drive us around. And, uh, you know, because it often needs like a certain pressure for new qualities, you know, to emerge. And we know that also from systems theory, you know, under great stress, new properties start to emerge. Properties we didn't know about before that they were there. It needs like a certain pressure for that. And, and, and you know, and that's often experienced as, as discomfort and you know you're not never gonna get anywhere with the practice if you 
want to have it all as comfortable. It's not possible. That's just like, then we can just forget about it. Because the fire of purification is indeed <clears throat> a fire. And it can, yeah, it, it really is, has a function. It does transform, you know. The friction and the tension and all of that, it creates a, a power which helps, you know, to open up those limitations, which are the result of the conditioning we have received. And, uh, and that's also why it's really important to have a clear aspiration, a clear motivation for, uh, why we are doing this. Because otherwise it's really hard to, you know, keep steady. And, uh, you know, allow the process to unfold its own intelligence. And, you know, the Dhamma is described with many different qualities. And one of those qualities is opanaiko, which means leading onwards. You know, like when we are in a stream, like say with a, with a little boat, and then whenever, you know, we are noticing we are holding on to one or the other bank of wanting and not wanting, you know, coming back to the middle and allowing that stream to carry us along. Because we don't need to do that. The stream is anyway constantly streaming. We just need to allow that process to carry us. But just as soon as we are noticing, you know, we are holding on here or holding on there, just coming back to the middle. And, you know, in regards to the four vipalasa, there is a, there's a certain quote in the suttas, uh, which, you know, sometimes the certain teachings, uh, teaching stories end with that quote. And I wanted to share that with you because it's very <clears throat> Poignant in regards to the vipalasa also because we have explained, you know, vipalasa means uh, to, to, to be turned upside down, vipariasa, turned upside down. And here's the quote. So that's the end of a, of a teaching of the Buddha. And then the person who was listening to the teaching says, when this was said, the, and then there's the name of the person said, to the Blessed One, that's the Buddha. Magnificent, Master Gotama, magnificent, Master Gotama. The Dhamma has been made clear in many ways by Master Gotama, as though he were turning upright what had been turned upside down, revealing what was hidden, showing the way to one who was lost, or holding up a lamp in the dark for those with eyesight to see forms. I think that's, you know, very uh, fitting for the theme of this retreat. The Dhamma has been made clear in many ways by Master Gautama, as though he were turning upright what had been turned upside down, revealing what was hidden, showing the way to one who was lost, or holding up a lamp in the dark for those with eyesight to see forms. So I think that's what I'd like to share with you this morning. And now we have uh, about 35 minutes or so to sit.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.